0: Henry David Thoreau, 19th century American philosopher, author, and poet, is famous for many things. But one of the things he is famous for is his gift for one-liners. He had this incredible way of putting words on paper that, that, that make us remember them, that stick out in our minds. And one of his most famous quotes, one of my favorite of his quotes, is this one. If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Now, we paraphrase that and we say he or she marches to the beat of a different drummer. Do you know anybody that marches to the beat of a different drummer? Yeah, you may be sitting next to somebody that marches to the beat of a different drummer. But here's the thing. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, do you feel like you march to the beat of a different drummer? I think you should. I often feel like I march to the beat of a different drummer. We live in a world that thinks and believes completely differently than we do. We live in a world that thinks, believes, and acts completely differently than we do. I want you to think a minute just about what you believe. Let me help you with what you as followers of Jesus believe. Let's think about this for a minute. You believe that God created the heavens and the earth, that there's a God that created everything. And that God that created everything, he also created each of you. And he created you to have a relationship with him, to have fellowship with him, but you messed that up. You rebelled against him, and that's called sin. And that sin separates you from God. But God doesn't like that you're separated from him. So this God that created everything, because he wants a relationship with you, sends his only son, Jesus, to earth to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, and to rise again from the dead. That's what you believe. Rise again from the dead. And that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can have your sins wiped away, forgiven, and you can have a relationship with that God that created everything. And not only that, if you have that relationship with God and you are in Christ, that means Christ has made you a new creature, and you now have a new life, and you now have the power to live that new life. And then he says, but hey, when you're living that life, you're going to experience some disappointments, discouragements, and hurts. But God says, hey, I got that all under control. And then one day you're going to live that life, and you're going to die, and you're going to be placed in a grave, and immediately your soul is going to ascend to heaven, and you are going to be in eternal bliss with God in heaven. but remember Jesus is also coming back and when he comes back he's going to judge the living and the dead and make everything completely right because at the ultimate resurrection body and soul are going to unite and forever all of us who believe in Jesus are going to be with God in eternal perfection. That's what you believe. You're good. That's what you believe. That is a lot to believe. How do you know that you believe that? How do you know those things? Because here's the thing. I can look at all those things with my physical eyes and I, don't, I can't see them very well. Because I can look with my physical eyes and I don't know that a God exists. With my physical eyes, I can look and I can't see that my sins are forgiven, and with my physical eyes. I cannot see that all things, all things work together for good. All the disappointments, all the discouragements, all the hurts of this life, God somehow works them all for good. But I can't see that with my physical eyes. So how do you know? How do you know those things? It's because you march to the beat of a different drummer. Drummer. It's because you don't see those things with your physical eyes. Because you cannot see most of those things with your physical eyes. But you can see every one of those things with eyes of faith. And we are here this morning to work on developing our eyes of faith so we can clearly see all of those things and we can experience a life that is full and a life in which we can see how God is moving in our relationship, in our finances, in our jobs, in our health situations. If we see with the eyes of faith, everything becomes clear, knowable, and real. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue this morning in our study in Hebrews. We're looking remember, we're on these journeys of faith. Every step counts on the journey. And this morning, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to continue where Jim left off two weeks ago. Hebrews chapter 11, it's page 974 in the Pew Bible. I'd encourage you to follow along this morning. Two weeks ago, we looked at a definition of faith. The definition is found right here in Hebrews 11 in verse 1. It reads, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We learned two weeks ago that this means that faith is a way of seeing things that are normally unseeable. Faith is a way of seeing things that is normally unseeable. Remember the story of Elisha Elisha was able to see the angel armies of the Lord. He was able to see that the angel armies of the Lord were greater in number than the armies of Syria. Elisha saw with eyes of faith. Faith is a way of knowing things. But if you're like me, you're not so much like Elisha. If you're like me, it's often difficult to see with eyes of faith. I'm pretty good at seeing with my physical eyes. I need to work on seeing with eyes of faith. So two weeks ago, Jim encouraged us to pray. He said, pray that God, pray and ask God to open up your eyes of faith so you can see him in how he's working in your life. Pray that he opens up your eyes of faith. So I hope that two weeks ago, you began praying that God would open up your eyes of faith. And I believe if you did that, he has begun to open up your eyes of faith. But the reason that Hebrews chapter 11 is such a great chapter, it's not just because it defines faith for us. It's because it gives us examples of people who lived by faith. Hebrews 11 has a list of people, regular, ordinary, real people who chose to live their lives by faith. So what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at the first three people that the writer of Hebrews identifies as living with eyes of faith. This morning, we're going to look at three men who marched to the beat of a different drummer. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 4. We'll begin reading there. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. The writer of Hebrews identifies three men who lived with the eyes of faith, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. These three men saw life through the eyes of faith, and the writer of Hebrews gives us their story or indicates that they live with eyes of faith so that we can see them as examples in how we too can live with eyes of faith. So, these three men are going to be examples to us this morning on how to live with eyes of faith. And they are also going to help instruct us on how we can develop those eyes of faith. So, the first example is Abel. Back to verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. The writer of Hebrews here is going back to the story of Abel and Cain, the world's first brothers. They are the sons of the world's first people, Adam and Eve. The writer of Hebrews is taking us back to the story of Abel and Cain, and it's found in Genesis chapter 3. So take your Bibles and go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. In our pew Bibles, it's found on page 3. We are going back to the beginning here. So we're going back to Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, on page 3, beginning with verse 1. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now this account doesn't fill in all the details of the story of Abel and Cain. But here is what we do know from the passage in Hebrews and from this account in Genesis regarding Cain and Abel and their sacrifices. Look what it says. It says, Cain offered a sacrifice from the fruits of the soil. Abel offered a sacrifice from the firstborn of his flock. And we read that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. But it was more than that. Look back at the end of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5. It says, God was pleased with Abel and with his sacrifice, but he was not pleased with Cain and his sacrifice. In other words, the problem wasn't just with the offering. It was with the offerer as well. One of the reasons that Abel's sacrifice was better was because Abel brought his sacrifice in faith. Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's sacrifice partially because he brought his sacrifice in faith. Here we are talking about why Abel offered his sacrifice to God. He did it out of faith. By faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice than Cain. He did it because he valued, he so valued God and he wanted from the very depths of his heart to give God something special. So that's what he does. From the depths of his heart, he gives God something extremely special because of his faith. Because of his faith, Abel worships God. But Cain, Cain doesn't make the same kind of offering. He doesn't have the same kind of faith. Cain seems to come to God in in kind of a sense of ritual, or he's expected to do it. It doesn't come from his heart. It doesn't come from the recesses of his soul. It doesn't come as an offering by faith. Now, it can be our tendency to look back at these stories And think to ourselves, wow, that's way, that's thousands of years ago. In fact, it's on page three. It's at the beginning. Thousands of years ago. These people aren't like me. They can't be like me. I'm telling you, they're exactly like you. They're exactly like us. Each one of us have the choice to be like Abel or to be like Cain. Abel offers his sacrifice out of the depth of his heart. Cain offers it out of some sort of ritual or expectation. Most people are like Cain. If they believe there's a God, they kind of go along with the ritual and the expectation. And some don't give him any time or credit at all. But it's Abel. Abel got it. He made a decision. Look what it says in verse 4. He made a decision to part with what? The firstborn of his flock. This is the best. This is the best that Abel has to offer. He gladly, not begrudgingly, offers God his best. He says, looks around. He looks around at everything he has, and he says, "What is the best thing that I can give God?" And that's what Abel does. He finds the best thing, and that's what he gives to God. And that's the choice that we have, don't we? We can do it out of expectation or out of ritual or we can give to God our best and be like Abel. You see, Abel marches to the beat of a different drummer, and he sees with the eyes of faith, and it's a faith that leads him to offer a better sacrifice. It's a faith that leads him to worship. Abel's faith leads him to worship God. Now, seemingly... It doesn't end well for Abel. His brother kills him. But I think it ends better than we tend to think. Turn back to Hebrews 11, verse 4. Hebrews 11, verse 4. You can keep your finger in Genesis because we're going to be going back there in a minute. But it's pretty easy because it's right at the beginning, right? Okay, Hebrews 11, verse 4. Look at how it ends, truly ends for Abel. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Because of Abel's faith, God calls him righteous. Because of Abel's faith, God blesses Abel. Yes, he dies, but to this day, from the grave, he speaks. He's the illustration that God uses for you and for me to see what faith looks like. Abel sees with the eyes of faith and it's a faith that leads him to worship. Now our second example. The writer of Hebrews turns to Enoch. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. You know, if you thought the story of Abel and Cain didn't have a whole lot of details, wasn't so long, was a short story, this one about Enoch is minuscule by comparison. Enoch is another figure in ancient history. And the writer of Hebrews is pointing us to him as an example. Enoch is seventh in line from Adam. Remember, Adam's the first person that God created. Seven generations later, we have Enoch. Enoch's story is found in Genesis chapter 5. So back to Genesis. Genesis 5. Genesis 5 provides us with a record of the descendants of Abraham. Excuse me, of Adam. We begin Enoch's story in verse 18. Here's our blip about Enoch. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. In this story, we see that for his first 65 years, Enoch does not walk with God. Enoch lives life like those around him for his first 65 years. And you need to know that life around him was evil Life around him was wicked. These were very evil and wicked times. In fact, in the next chapter in Genesis 6, it says God looked out among the people and saw that the hearts, the the thoughts on man's heart were wicked all the time. This is a wicked, evil generation that Enoch lives in. But something happens when he turns 65 years old, and when he turns 65 years old, his life changes. Now, the text doesn't tell us why it changes, It does tell us that his son Methuselah was born when he was 65 years old. Maybe that caused a change in his heart. Maybe that caused him to decide to walk with God. But what we see in the change is at 65, something happens, there's a change, and he begins to walk faithfully with God. And 300 years later, God just takes him away. He doesn't experience death. God just reaches down and grabs Enoch and says, hey, it's time to come with me. God just comes and gets him. What is it that prompted God to just take Enoch? The writer of Hebrews tells us the reason that God just took Enoch and he didn't have to experience death was because of his faith. Look at verses 22 and 24. In this account in Genesis, they both say that Enoch walked with God. Enoch had faith, and his faith caused him to walk with God. It's an evil and dark time in history. People all around him are wicked, and Enoch marches to the beat of a different drummer because while everyone else is evil and wicked, Enoch walks with God. And this idea of walking with God is a description of the intimacy and the fellowship that Enoch had with God. It's the idea of Enoch obeying God in who God is. It's the idea of Enoch submitting his life to God and going on the journey that God calls him to. It's the idea of Enoch day after day, week after week, month after month, walking with God in intimacy. You know what it's like. It's like when you go for a walk with a friend. When you and that friend or that special person in your life are together and you're walking, it's a time that you can be close. It's a time that you talk about special things. It's a time that you share special things. It's a time that you, you, you open up and you hear what the other person has to say. This is how Enoch walked with God in intimacy and fellowship. And that intimacy and fellowship grew and grew and grew until God just decided to reach down and grab Enoch and pull him up and take him away. You see, Enoch sees with the eyes of faith and it's a faith that causes him to walk with God. Now, I'd like to make a side note here in looking at the stories of Abel and Enoch, I'd like to make a side note, and the side note is this. Most of the rewards of faith are not found in this life. They're found in your eternal life with God. Most of the rewards of faith are not found in this life they're found when you are in your eternal life with God. Think about Abel with me for a minute. Abel doesn't live a long, happy life. His brother kills him. But it's Abel's story that's recorded, it's Abel's faith that is mentioned, it's Abel that is declared righteous by God, it's Abel that is ultimately blessed. And think about Enoch. Enoch only lived 365 years. Now, I know when we say that or hear that, we think 365 years, but think about it in comparison to his dad and to his son. His dad lives 960 some years, his son holds the record with 969 years, and Enoch only lives 365 years. But Enoch, but Enoch was declared righteous by God and Enoch was blessed. See, most of the rewards of faith don't occur in this life. They occur in the life to come. And you know this, don't you? Because there's times when you're worshiping and you're thinking to yourself, man, I should, I should be, I'm, I'm trying to do this in faith. I'm trying to walk in this worship thing but I kind of feel distant. That's because most of the rewards of faith come in the life to come. And I know you there are those of you who are trying to walk with God, but it is a lonely walk. You feel alone, and you feel like it's just you, and it's just God, and maybe everybody else seems to have abandoned you. Don't give up, because most of the rewards of faith are found in the life come. So Abel, Abel sees with the eyes of faith, and it's a faith that causes him to worship. Enoch sees with the eyes of faith, and it's a faith that leads him to walk with God. Now our third example, back to Hebrews 11, our third example is Noah. Now many of us know the story of Noah. It's the guy who builds the big ark, brings a bunch of animals on it, and God sends the flood. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now jump back to Genesis chapter 6, because we're going to look at the story that the writer of Hebrews is referring to. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 9, this is what it reads. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So Noah does exactly that he starts to make and build an ark. He does what God tells him to do. He's building an ark so he can bring his wife, his three sons, their wives, and a bunch of animals into this ark with him. And look what it says in verse 22 about Noah. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah is another person who sees with the eyes of faith. Think about this with me for a moment. God sees that the world is terribly, terribly wicked. Man's minds are filled with evil thoughts, but he finds one righteous man. He finds one righteous man. He says to Noah, to save yourself and to save your family and to save some animals, you need to go and build an ark. And he says, you need to build a massive ark. Not just a fishing boat in your backyard. You need to build a massive ark. Now think about this. He's likely building this massive ark hundreds of miles away from any ocean. He's building it in a world in which most people believe had not yet experienced any rain. And it takes him around 100 years to build this massive ark. Noah is a man of faith who does everything that God commanded him to do. Look at what it says in verse 22. Everything that God commanded him to do. Now, this isn't all that foreign to us either. Yes, it was a long time ago, but the situation is very, very similar. We live in a world that is evil. We live in a world with with, with wicked people who have wicked thoughts. And we are called, just like Noah, to live by faith and to see with the eyes of faith. Because all around us, there's infidelity, adultery, and hooking up. And we're called to live a life of love and purity in our relationships. All around us, there's lying, there's cheating, there's stealing in our schools in our marriages, in relationships, in the marketplace, and we're called to live a life of truth and honesty. Just like Noah lived by faith and was a witness, we are called to live by faith and be a witness as well. I know what you may be thinking. You may be thinking, okay, I get that. I hear that Noah was a witness and stood by faith for God but you don't get it from me. If I do that, I'm going to completely stand out. I'm going to, somebody's going to mock me. Somebody's going to make fun of me. Man, they, it may even rise to the level of persecution. Okay, think about Noah for a minute. A on, hundred years building an ark in his backyard. Yeah. Do you realize the mocking and the ridicule? Right, right. These people have never seen rain. They're hundreds of miles away from an ocean and Noah stands up and he starts to pound a bunch of nails into cypress wood and says, hey, what are you doing? Hey, I'm building an ark. Noah sees with eyes of faith and it's his eyes of faith that cause him to build an ark and stand as a witness for God. We are called to exactly the same. We have looked at three examples of individuals who saw with the eyes of faith, three individuals that marched to the beat of a different drummer. Abel, by faith, Abel is able to properly worship God. By faith, Enoch walks with God. By faith, Noah witnesses for God. We are called to do the same thing. They are an example to you and they are an example to me. But there is one key point that is missing from everything I've just said to you. And that is the question, who or what is their faith in? Who or what is their faith in? Because up until this point, it's just been by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah. Who is their faith in? Who is it that they actually see with eyes of faith that cause them to do what they do? They see God. They see God and they see who he is and they recognize his character and his person and his personality and his promises and they see him so they live by faith because they can see with the eyes of faith. Turn back to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews 11 verse 6. There is an object to their faith. And this verse clearly focuses our attention on the recipient of their faith and on the recipient of our faith. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Nestled among these three examples, the author makes sure that we understand that without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, faith is the currency that God uses in our exchange with Him. It is invaluable to our relationship. It is the way that He has ordained for us to have relationship with Him. We have to have faith. And the writer goes on to say, we have to have faith, but the faith has to be in Him. Look at what it says. Because anyone who comes to Him, God, must believe that He exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is an incredibly important phrase. He is telling us that the object of our faith is God. You need to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, it's not faith for faith's sake. We live in a world that says, just have faith. Man, just believe. Believe what? believe I'm down 34 to nothing with a few minutes to go and if I believe somehow I'm going to come back and win? That is not the faith. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith for faith's sake. It's not just believe and it will happen. It is faith in God. You see what happens is is by faith Abel believes that God exists and he believes that God's going to reward him and He does. By faith, Enoch believes that God exists. He believes that God is going to reward him, and he does. By faith, Noah believes that God exists, and he believes that God is going to reward him, and he does. Each one of these are examples to you and to me how we can live our lives by faith, with the eyes of faith. Abel was able to worship God with the eyes of faith. Enoch was able to walk with God with the eyes of faith. Noah was able to witness for God because their faith was in God. And that's what God calls you to do and he calls me to do, to open our eyes of faith and place our faith and our trust in him. You see, everything that is knowable and meaningful in this journey of faith we're on is best seen through the eyes of faith. Your job, your relationships, your health, your finances, everything about this life is knowable and best seen through the eyes of faith. So the writer of Hebrews says, be like Abel. Be like Enoch. Be like Noah. By faith. And I know what you're thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, that sounds really easy. I've been praying for two weeks and I haven't seen anything. Yeah, my physical eyes work, but my eyes of faith don't work. I get it. I know. Life is tough. It is hard. It is difficult. So, what do you do? Here's what you do you keep praying. You keep praying that God is going to open your eyes, and He's going to. But here's what you do you reverse the formula. Reverse the formula. Remember, we said by faith Abel worshiped, by faith Enoch walked, by faith Noah witnessed. If you want to see with the eyes of faith, here's what you can do you reverse the formula, you start to worship. And your eyes of faith will be open because you will be in the assembly and you will worship and you will experience the presence of God in a very special way. It's like when the choir sang that number this morning and most of you were crying. Some of you stood up. Why? It's because you experienced the presence of God. So worship and your eyes will be opened. Walk with God and your eyes of faith will be opened. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's hard. But you walk. And you take step after step after step after step in obedience, following his call, and he will show up. And you know this. Yes. You know this because you can look back at your life and you can say, okay, I, I, I remember 10 years ago. I remember when he showed up. Yep. Yep. Walk with him and he will open your eyes. And finally, if your eyes aren't open with eyes of faith, witness. Witness. Stand up and witness with your mouth, with your actions. Be like Noah in an evil, wicked world and stand up. And I promise you, God will honor that by opening your eyes. If you cannot see with eyes of faith, you keep praying and you worship, you walk, and you witness. And you will start to see things like you have never seen them before. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your presence in our lives. We have acknowledged, Lord, that life is hard and difficult, and we cannot do it on our own. So I pray for each one of us here that you, would open our eyes of faith so that we can see you and see how you are working in all the situations of our life all of the situations of our life. And Lord, I also pray that you would give us the encouragement and the strength to worship, to walk and to witness so that we our eyes would be opened even wider. Lord, We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.